saying I love the harmonica. You do? I know you hate it, but I love it. I listen to it almost every day. <laughs> well, guys, I'm John Hughes. And I'm Kenya Hughes. And together, together we, we are, are the Hughes. Hughes. Man, what episode is this? I think it's episode three. Wow. I know. Well, I'm excited. We have a little podcast, and we're talking about love, relationships, miscarriages, ups and downs of marriage, and all kind of stuff. All kind of just things. Just life is what we're talking about. Well, today, I'm kind of leading this conversation because I think, as a man, we haven't leaded, lead, led the conversation like we should have. And what and what, conversation? Or what? Oh, you were going to ask me a question? What conversation is? And what conversation is that? I think you know, honey. Tell them what the topic is. The topic is the blame game and miscarriage. How it is truly no one's fault. Amen. Uh, no, no one's fault at all. And I think um, it's very, very important that we understand how it is. Um, one of the big questions that, you know, a lot of people probably don't know or realize is how common miscarriages really are. They are very common. As, as you all already know, we've had five miscarriages. And the more we talk to people and share our story, the more we have an understanding of how many people go through the struggle of just having children on a regular basis. And if you don't talk about it, then you don't know how many people are, are going through the same thing that you're going through. So today we are going to talk about how it's really no one's fault. A lot of time, a lot of times in marriage and in relationships, we can blame each other for, um, the shortcomings of having a child and or not being able to have a child and a lot of times we can blame each other for that and we don't want to blame each other for that so today we're going to be talking about the miscarriage and how we should not blame each other so here's an interesting fact miscarriage is fairly common during the first 12 weeks of pregnancy it's hard to know how many miscarriages take place because sometimes a miscarriage can happen before the mother knows she's pregnant the estimated figure that miscarriages happens in and around one in four recognized pregnancies with 85% of those happening in the first trimester, weeks one to uh, one to 12. Um, a late miscarriage, which is much less common, may occur uh, between weeks 13 to 24 of pregnancy. Right. So the likelihood of someone having a repeated miscarriage there's a small number of women um it's probably about one percent that have repeated miscarriages and that's according to the american college of obstetricians and gynecologists and that's us that is us honey we've had too many to name way too many to name and it, you know it gets even crazier when you start putting um age as a, a factor in the um and the idea of getting pregnant. If a woman is under 30, she has a one in 10 chance of a miscarriage. If a woman is between 35 and 39, she has a two in 10 chance of miscarriage. And if a woman is over 45, she just, she just, yeah. Yeah, she has a five in 10 chance of miscarriage. 
Oh, over 40. So they don't have from 40 to 45, but over 45. You know. I would say that that's probably 40 and up. Well, you know, as your husband, I'm not going to tell people your age, but I know we're going to keep trying. We are. But, you know, so here's the sad part about miscarriage and when you go to the OBGYN or the fertility specialist as you get older. As you get older and you go, they automatically make you feel like you're like a hundred years old when you tell them that you don't have children and you're 35, 38, 40, 43. They make it seem like your eggs are just old and you're never going to have children. That's how you feel. You feel like you're about a hundred years old. But and let Lord Lord forbid we gotta talk about performance anxiety. Performance anxiety. Oh yeah. What's the performance anxiety? Well, you know when you go to that um go to the clinic and they want you to go in that room. Oh gosh. Oh Lord Jesus. So John had to go in the room at the fertility specialist when he when we were going to a fertility specialist. And y'all, when I tell you he was traumatized. He was traumatized. I still don't know why my wife couldn't go in there with me. No, that's gross. Well, well, that's why I had performance anxiety. But you can't go, but a woman can't go in, in the room with you for a fertility. You can't do that. Anyways, let's talk about the common causes of miscarriages. Most miscarriages, about 60%, occur randomly when an embryo receives an abnormal number of chromosomes during fertilization. This type of genetic problem happens by chance. There is no medical condition that causes it. However, it becomes more common in women of increased, listen to how they put this, increased reproductive age. It's a nice way of saying old. (laughs) Gonna have to remember that when I'm talking to women. Don't worry, my dear. You just have an increased reproductive age. Mm. That's terrible. I get stabbed if I call you old, so I don't. I don't know how they get away with doing. You that. should try saying increased pro- reproductive age, John. Yeah, I think I still get stabbed. And I don't think I'll. I don't think I'll stab you. I'm sorry. So how common is it that a cause? How common is it that a cause for repeated miscarriages cannot be identified? In 50 to 75% of women of repeated miscarriages, no cause, as John said, can be found for a pregnancy loss. There may be clues about the problem, but there are no sure answers. I can definitely attest to that because we have had a thousand clues that they have given us as to why they believe that we have not been able to have children. But we still don't have an answer. But we're trying new doctors this year. Uh, I've heard all kinds of things. The eggs was not the right number. No, the eggs are old. The eggs are old. like. But they're not the, the right they're number. They're supposed to be a number 10, but yours was like 11 or 12. Mine were 12. Good memory, so, honey. So because of that two-number digit mm-hmm. difference in numbers, you were no longer good. You know, last time I checked, I boiled an egg 10 minutes ago, and I eat it 12 minutes later. It's still a good boiled egg. I mean, I get what the doctors are saying. Um, I do get it. But it's just when you're going through it is a thing. You don't want to hear that. It's a whole bunch of stuff. But, but, I digress. We keep trying. We do. So what are the chances of having a successful pregnancy if you've had repeated miscarriages and there is no cause um, to be found? 
So it's about 65% of women with unexplained recurrent pregnancy loss have a successful next pregnancy. Well, we waiting. <laughs> and we're going to keep practicing until we get it right. And we are waiting and we are waiting. So, John, the topic tonight was there's no one to blame. There's no one to blame. Now, we, we have poured over you guys with all these statistical factoids. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, that just drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the meat of the, uh, the, the subject, once the miscarriage happens, what happens to the couple? Right. There is an enormous amount of trauma. There's an enormous amount of pain. There's a, an enormous amount of embarrassment and confusion when it actually happens because, you, number one, very few mothers or expecting mothers know that they actually miscarried until there's definite signs that the miscarriage happened. Most husbands, boyfriends, significant others have no clue that their significant other is going through a miscarriage until after the signs are very prominent. And after that being said, there is next to no communication after that happens. Um, what, uh, what happened to us when we had our first miscarriage is there was the connection there, but then also after that happened, there was a whole lot of isolation. And that was the most shocking thing to us. And I can I can rightly say now, because of we've had so many different miscarriages, that we were able to um, identify what those risk factors were. And actually, instead of pulling apart, we pulled together. Yes. And that's important. That's important in any relationship, whether it be marriage, partnership, um, to make sure that you are pulling together and don't let the miscarriage pull you apart. You have to remember that when you all joined together and you tried, you became one or you became a partnership, that it was the two of you all. As John always says, the this child or baby is an enhancement to your relationship. It does not make you who you are. And a lot of times that is the hard part to remember because we oftentimes just believe that our perfect family is not going to come until we have a child. And that's not always the case. Now, check this out. It was a great article that I read by um, S.E. Smith contributor. It was an article on why we don't talk about miscarriage. And they interviewed two experts, a Boston-based psychologist named Aline Zolbrod and Dr. Elizabeth Feiselson of Columbia University Department of Psychiatry. And um, uh, Dr. Uh, um made a great little comment. He said, parents may hear, well, at least you know you can get pregnant. It uh, just wasn't meant to be. That's a dumb comment. They're in a better place now. Dumber comment. You could always try again. That's the dumbest comment. Instead of expressions of sympathy and shared grief, many people minimize minimize it, as uh, Dr. Zobrod's uh, comments were. It's incredibly traumatic. The lack of validation. 
can make parents hesitant to reach out and be frank about their experiences. And when I read that, that was so powerful because to me, when we first went through it, it almost felt like we were embarrassing. We, there was nobody really we could say or actually say something to. I remember you distinctly uh, be, having just an awful wrenching feeling about actually telling your parents that it didn't happen. Oh, I remember that. That's a horrible feeling. Especially when you're old as John and I. And your parents don't have any grandchildren. And you're trying to get them some grandchildren. The pressure that you put on yourself. Oh my God. To provide grandchildren for your parents is horrible. And, and you know, traditionally, um, cultures, societies, um, they impact that, that need to for you for their children to produce grandparents grandchildren grandchildren grand not grandparents grandchildren okay, we producing grandparents we is bad we in trouble <laughs> so um to produce uh grandchildren like my dad would say to me all the time boy you couldn't bust a grape and it didn't affect me or bother me until we had our first miscarriage then he realized that that was actually bothering me and he didn't he doesn't say that anymore. Well, yeah, never mind. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Yes, yeah, so the things that people say, sometimes people say things and they you know, it's just habit. It's like somebody asking a woman that's single when you're getting married. Well, clearly, when she finds a husband, she's going to get married. But you know, as human beings, we do this all the time. If it's not their pain, it's not their concern. That is true. So here's my mission. I try and educate people. And sometimes the things that I say can be a little bit shocking when they ask why we don't have children. Oh. But guess what? They don't ask no more. Oh, Lord, honey, remember to pray. And then... You a Christian. I am a Christian. I don't say ugly things. Mm. I just say things that they probably wouldn't expect. Like, do you have children? I'll say, hi, I'm Kenya. And we'll start talking. And then they'll say, oh, you're married. And I'll say, yes, I'm married. Do you have children? No. Well, how long have you been married? 14 years. And you don't have children? No, I don't have children. Why don't you have children? Well, first of all, that's none of your business. Why I don't have children. Oh, aggressive. But let me educate you. Aggressive. I've had five miscarriages, my husband and I. We've had a failed adoption. It's not from a lack of trying why we don't have children. And then you know what their response is? Oh. Or one of those things that John said. Maybe it wasn't meant to be. We'll go back to that. That's probably on this list right here. Well, at least you know you can get pregnant. How about that one? Dumb. Uh, you can always try again. Even dumber. <laughs> it's, it's, it is people's attempt to identify your pain and also, as misguided as it may be, to comfort you while you go through your grief. Mm-hmm. And that's rough because no one actually will be able to to sympathize with you on the level that you need in order to go through that process. That is true. That's why it's so important as a couple that when that happens to that couple, that you and that uh, that person, your your wife, your significant other, 
that you actually turn to each other. Right. And love each other through it. And then also, I think it's very important that you speak to people that are in the field of psychiatry, that are in the field of counseling, that is in the field of support groups. I think it's very important that you know where your support groups are. No matter what state you are in, city, um, uh, local or national, there is support groups everywhere. And all you have to do is just Google it. I, in fact, me and my wife in Atlanta, Georgia, we um, there are multiple support groups in this area. And um, you can go there and, and there's support groups. There's counselors and doctors uh, that can actually assist you in that process. Right. So here's the thing. We talk a lot of times as people, we can talk about things and we can um, give advice, but it is making sure that we take action. So I've been going to women's Bible study at my church and we've had a wonderful, it's a Bible study, but we've had a therapist there for like the last three Bible studies. And she has been amazing. And one of the things, her name is Rosalind Mitchell. And she's in Atlanta, so if you had to look her up, she's awesome. But um, one of the things that we talked about that we can carry so many things, we carry extra baggage with us. And when you've had a miscarriage, you carry that with you. You already, as women, we have so much that we carry with us on a daily basis. You carry the stress of um, family if you have children or even if you're married. You carry the stress of work. You carry the stress of your friends. You carry the stress of family. We're always helping each other. And then you add miscarriage on top of that. All that's extra baggage that you're carrying. And you need to have somebody that you can talk to and really um, talk about how you're feeling and and get those things out. And they can help you walk through the process of grief. Uh, Like I told you uh, last week, I have not been to counseling but I'm going. Not because um, I'm in a dark place, but just because sometimes... You can be in a dark place because you use light skin. That is so dumb. (laughs) That is dumb. I can't... I'm... Whatever. So anyways, so I'm going to counseling so that (laughs) just to free myself of things. You know, there may be things that you're carrying that you don't even realize that you're carrying and those things can bring you down. So I want to do that for myself. And when I'm talking to people about going to see counseling and a therapist, at least I will have been. Yes. I think that's very important. Now, I mean, here's a little spinoff. Can anything be done to avoid miscarriage? Okay. If you're a smoker, stop. Quit smoking. And avoid secondhand smoke. If you're a drinker, avoid drinking during pregnancy. Don't use street drugs while pregnant. That should be common sense. That's just common sense. Stick to the recommended limit of caffeine. Mm, I feel that. You you will feel that because my wife drink. No, I I won't fail. You drink coffee like nobody. No, I don't. I did good. I gave up coffee for Lent, y'all. And I did good. I was proud of myself. I didn't drink. And Lynn is over now. What? Um, I'm drinking coffee. Yeah, it's on and popping. But not as much as I was. 
Now, to my fellas out there, guys, I will tell you more than anything, it is so important that you communicate your feelings about what just happened. It's hard, it's tough. I know as a man, men, women are nurturers, men are protectors. So when this miscarriage happens, that's completely out of your hands, you feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. You feel like you should have been able to protect your wife and your unborn child. But they are, uh, there are particular factors in, the play, in that play of development that you have no control over and no power over. And you have to realize that once this happens, as a man, you need to jump into recovery mode. Mm-hmm. which is to circle the wagons, to provide a hedge of protection for you and your family. And you and your family could just be you and your significant other, mm-hmm. your wife. And you have, to, you have to communicate to her and talk to her. And if she doesn't feel like talking at that point, just be present. Because more than anything, it's important to her that she knows that you're there. And then when she's prepared to talk, then you talk about it. Right. You find that space of comfort that you and her find peace together. One of the things that become extremely helpful to me and my wife is that we pray every morning and pray every night. We read scripture. Um, that may not be for everyone. And I do understand that, but I, but, but I hope and pray that it will be something that you pursue. W- with that being said, I think it's very important also that, that men talk to other men. And it's, it's, it's statistically impossible for you, not, for you to get better if you don't confront or address what's been happening. Right. The, um, I, think, I think it's also important that we realize that you see what has happened to you and your wife as something that, that we should be able to get through. I, I agree 100%, honey. Men, just be there for your wives. That's the best thing that John did for me was to be there for me and support me through our miscarriages and through our loss. And like you said, men need to be there for each other. I can't, we have, uh, let's see, one, two, three couples on our street that have um, gone through or going through miscarriage and fertility issues. And the women always talk about it. The, the men, men the, do not. The men do not talk the about it. The men do not talk about the miscarriages. And guys, y'all have to get it, get that together. You guys have to be brave enough to talk about something that didn't go right. Right. It's about, it's about communicating. We're very good at boasting about the stuff that we do have and the stuff that we did get make go right. But we are, we are very closed-minded and closed-mouthed. When something doesn't go right. Right. As you all can tell, and you know, this is our, miscarriage is one of our, our passions. 
something that we, along with children, we love children. But miscarriage is also one of our passions and something that we love to talk about and really educate people on. And not necessarily educate in that we are experts um, in miscarriage because we're not. And there's a lot of things that couples have gone through and they have done. We have not done um, IVF. We haven't done IUIs. But what we can talk to you about is how we have felt in the process. We have done some other things um, through the infertility process. But what we can tell you is how we have felt over the years after our losses. And I think the most significant thing that, that we want our listeners to realize is just that. We may not have gone through some of the, the technical things that, that most fertility clinics could offer you, but none of these fertility clinics will tell you that they put the, the aspect of the loss in the forefront. They want, it, they want you to get pregnant, and their job is to get you pregnant. And they, of course, they give you uh, support groups to go to and, and psych, psychiatrists and, and uh, different people to aid and help you. But that's not on their forefront. So we are the Hughes, John and Kenya Hughes. We decided to make that our forefront, that the emotional side of miscarriage is something that we're going to talk about. And then also marriage and also life in marriage and how we put that first and foremost. So that that particular thing, we want you guys to travel on our journey because we're going to be completely open minded and uh, truthful about everything that we experience and talk about. That is true. Those are those are facts, John Hughes, that we can definitely that you all can rest on and know that. Um, this is going to be a conversation that we have, um, know that I know that our first three episodes have been about miscarriage. We have lots of other things that we want to share with you all and talk about love and relationships and life. We have some really inspiring people, um, that are in our life and we really want to talk to them as well and have them come on the show. But miscarriage is something that, especially coming off of National Infertility Awareness Week, we didn't really talk about it a lot on our social media pages last week, but know that it is something that matters to us and is at the forefront of We Are The Hughes. We know that communication um, is key in any relationship and communicating with you all because you all are, we're in a relationship with you all. This is a a partnership and we're going to educate and we're going to empower people to be comfortable talking about miscarriage and sharing their story. We're going to, John's going to get men comfortable talking about miscarriage and sharing their stories and how it has affected them. A lot of times the things that we carry are things that we carry, like I said before, because we have not talked about them. And we need to talk about them and we need to share them. And we need to not be afraid of talking about them. Um, I can't reiterate this more than enough. Um, I think it's, I think guys out there and we are the Hughes land, I think it's very important that you take the time to grieve. Um, you and your wife, you and your significant other, take the time to grieve, to communicate, to talk about it. Something happened, mm-hmm. and it was very traumatic, and it rocks you to your very core. Mm-hmm. 
because you lost something that you had in your hearts of hearts that you're going to love and protect. And because of God, because of anatomy, because of life situations and factors and characteristics and and uh, statistical errors, it was not to be. Mm. And that's okay. The idea of quitting has never been in our vocabulary and it should not be in yours. The idea of winning should only be in your vocabulary. And uh, we are the Hughes are really built on trying to find that sweet spot. Yes. That sweet spot that suggests that we can win. We can survive this. We can make it through this. And we can create a culture that allows us to talk about it, to heal from it, and to move forward in faith and in good truth. And that's what We The Hughes is. Just so you guys know, we want you guys to see us on wearethehughes.com, Facebook, all social media platforms, Instagram. What else? That's it. That's it? We ain't on anything else? No. Not Not yet. We're not on Twitter? Not that y'all should follow us yet. No. I'm going to be... So, I do the social media. So, no. Not on Twitter. What do you mean no? No. We're getting there. But don't follow us right now. I did a... uh, Instagram is where it's at anyway. So, we got to stay on top of our Instagram. That's where we need to be. And we're on there. We just need to update more. Well, you know, the podcast is great. The podcast is great, but podcasts we podcasts are awesome. Right, but we need to we need to do more um more Instagram. All right. Well guys, you know, I expected it for us to go a little bit longer, but I know it's getting late. And we are the Hughes. Have to start planning for the next episode. Yes, we episode do. number four. Yes. And we gotta you know um also guys out there and we are the Hughes land. Send us your suggestions. Let us know what you what you like about the podcast. Call us. Um, you can email us. What's the email, hun? Khughes at wearethehughes.com. Awesome. Yes. So make sure that you send me any emails and give us any feedback. Yeah, the, like the, our podcast and share it. Share, share, and share. I mean, we're everywhere too. So you know, let us let us know. And uh, we are the Hughes. We love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Peace. Peace. Hey, hon. Episode four. Yes, yes. Well, I guess we better go through the... The ins and outs of the announcement. Why is it the ins and outs of the announcement? It's It identifies who we are. But you make it sound like it's such a terrible thing. It's a process. What's the process? Loving, What's the process? Loving you is a process. Oh, I agree with that. Ditto on that. Hi. <laughs> I'm, I'm John Hughes. And I'm Kenya Hughes. And together, together we, we are the Hughes. Bum, bum, bum. Why do you say it's a process? It is a process. Why? Why? Because we're in the closet 
four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and tired. <laughs> and we doing our podcast. So listen, you guys that are listening or that will listen. So we're trying to be consistent, right? Right. And being consistent so that we post our podcast on time. Sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do, right? So, like, get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And do a whole bunch of stuff that don't have nothing to do with our podcast because you're sleepy. Like what? Just just mindless things that you're doing. Whatever. Okay. Episode 4. What happens after you say, I do? Well, after you say, I do, it's too late. (laughs) (laughs) You are trapped. Not trapped. You are like, trapped like, trapped like Dungeons and the Dragon trap. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, guys, really, guys. That is real. Really. What do you do after you say... I do. Run. First of all, oh, that's so nice. That's not <laughs> nice, honey. First of all, we have to recognize that when you say I do, that you are marrying your best friend and you've committed to your best friend. That best friend will be your confidant, your lover, your person, the person that you decide to walk through life with forever. Yeah. And that is an incredible moment in time that all your friends and loved ones will see and witness. And most for most most of all, the covenant that you create with God. And for me, it was the, one of the most important moments in my life. Right. I mean, marriage is one of those things where it is wonderful. I mean, sometimes it does get a bad rap, so I shouldn't have said run, but there are some people that have ran. It especially gets a bad rap for people that maybe um, have not had a successful run at marriage the first time around. Woo! I think it's... Was that a pleasant way to put it? That's a pleasant way to put it. Okay. I think the misconception is, is that people go go into marriage thinking that it's going to be all roses. I think it's going to be like magical. Like every morning you're going to wake up and your mate's going to just look beautiful and their breath is going to smell like roses Mm-mm. and then they're going to come in the room and you're going to get breakfast in bed Mm-mm. and everyone's going to be happy and that's how marriage is going to be lies lies they're lying to you the truth is you're going to go to bed on good terms hopefully you're going to wake up the next morning <clears throat> And you, if you really love that person, you will not speak to them until you brush your teeth because your breath is going to smell like Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, the, it ultimately depends on what you had the night before. And having breakfast with your, with your significant other in the morning before you got, go to work is going to be a... Very unique moment in time where not many people will have the opportunity to do because everybody got to work and communicating, communicating and going through daily life and the ins and outs and the things that stress you out. You will have to learn to communicate that with your loved one 
especially when you both don't agree. Right. Communication is the key. And sometimes it is a struggle. It can be very hard to communicate with one another, especially when you are used to being by yourself, when you are set in your ways and you don't think that anybody can tell you what to do and you think that you are right and your answer is always right. You have to be able to compromise and you have to be able to listen to what your partner is saying and be open to suggestions. And you can't really care about the small things. So a lot of times the little things we can make into big things. And in the in marriage, they're not necessarily the big things, right? So what you think is a big thing is not going to be a big thing to your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it needs to go this way. But it doesn't matter. And then here's the other thing that you have to recognize. That a lot of times the things and the issues that you have, right, in your marriage, they're not necessarily about their spouse. They're about you. Your ego is a killer. But not even that your ego is a killer, right? So I was talking to my girlfriend the other day, and we were talking, and I was like, gosh, I'm so frustrated. I had to clean my house. I think John had a pair of shoes out, and I was just like, ugh. But then I was like, but you need to clean the house. You have stuff out, too. But because you're not happy with what you have going on at that time, then you take it out on your spouse. That ain't your spouse's fault. It's not their fault. So you have to remember and check yourself. When you have things going on, you have to just remember, is it about them or is it about me? Is it something that I'm unhappy with in myself? So here's the dynamics of of how, and this is just a suggestion how it should be set up in your household, okay? I take the role of husband very seriously. Um, I see myself as the priest of my home. I lead my family to righteousness. I lead my family to, to the proper support, the proper leadership, the proper, the proper love that needs to be exercised on a regular basis. I lead my family in prayer. I lead my family in protection and covering. I provide a financial covering. I provide a spiritual covering. I provide um, a place of sanctuary for my family. Um, I think um, I think also that my family is not a family unless my, wa- my wife is walking side by side, not behind me, not in front of me, not beneath me, not above me, but side by side. Right. And we have, so when, and walking side by side, ladies, you have to still, right? Because sometimes, especially my generation, we have these type A personalities. Mm. What? Double, triple type A, because that's me. What? That has to be in control of everything. What? Remember, ladies, that we're still walking side by side. Say it again. You're still walking side by side. Mm. You're not leading. You're side by side. In the marriage, 
in the relationship. And this isn't just for marriages. This is for relationships also. If you're in a, a steady relationship, if you're in a relationship where it looks like it's leading to marriage, then these are things, one, these are things that you can expect after you get married, what we said in the beginning. But some of the things that John and I just talked about, those are things that while you're in your relationship leading up to marriage, these are things that you need to also be aware of and be mindful of. Because here's the thing, marriage is work. It is hard work. It is not a nine to five not a eight to four, not a seven to three. It's a midnight to midnight. (laughs) Whether you're at work, whether you're at home, you're still working on your marriage, right? Because you don't know what your spouse has going on. You don't know what you're coming home to. He doesn't know what he's coming home to. So you're working every day at the marriage And when you come home each day or when your spouse gets home, if you stay at home, you want to greet them in a loving manner. That can be challenging. Okay, so here's the harsh realities of of what what happens when the things don't go the right way. So most adults have married only once. 54% of men and 60% of women had married once. 13% of men and women had married twice. 3% had married three or more times. So you see that number decrease down as you move in the number of uh, how many times you've gotten married. So that tells you something that people intend on being married one time. They, 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 they had the impression, the desire, the want to being married to the one and only the rest of their life you know why didn't that work why did it fall apart what were the things that prevented it from turning into the forever relationship um you 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 have to talk about infidelity um 17 percent of divorces in the united states are caused by infidelity um i've come to realize that the, the piece about infidelity is a piece about me personally. Now, this, this is just what, what John is saying from We Are The Hughes. It's a place of selfishness. It's a place of not being provided the attention that that person needs. Uh, it's a place of where you feel lonely. It's a place where you feel like you were ignored. But again, ego, what about me? Hey, look at me. Hey, I thought that it was all about me leads to infidelity. Um, I think you have to realize that, number one, just going off of this one piece that when you marry an individual, you have to know that you're marrying an individual with their own mind, own thoughts, own desires, own will. And you guys have to find that common ground that brings you two together and learn that each of you has a place that needs to be protected. Right. And so protecting the marriage. So when you're protecting the marriage, you're protecting each other 
from infidelity, right? Because you are letting that person know, I'm here for you. I support you. I want to be with you and you matter. That's all that people want. When you get married, you are saying to that person, and women, when or however it works. I mean, we're in 2019 now, so women, if you propose, or men, if you propose, however, whoever proposes to who, you were telling that person you matter. And in that telling them that you matter, you want them to feel like they matter all the time. The problem is that a lot of times people in marriage will forget why they got married. And that's where you lose focus on the marriage. And that's where it leads to infidelity. Um, It leads to distance. Distance, um, physical distance, emotional distance, mental distance. It's all the same. It's distance. And when you don't show that person how much they matter, then that's what happens. And then those are the things that lead to divorce. So you have to make sure that you are committed to your spouse. You have to make sure that you're committed to your marriage. And you have to commit that you are, you have to make sure that you're committed to making it work. Because here's the reality. What happens is we plan this wedding, right? Everybody says, you're getting ladies, you're picking out your wedding dress, you're picking out the flowers, you're going to the tastings, you are meeting with the venues, you've got your girlfriends picking out bridesmaids' dresses, the men are picking out groomsmen tuxes. You're doing all these things, and usually the planning of a wedding can take a year. For some people, it can take two years. For John and I, it took all of three months because I wasn't doing all that. But it takes a long time. So for you have to think about it. For that first year or two years, you're in the planning phase of the wedding. So you're all excited because everything is pretty. All you visualize is that beautiful day when you're going to look beautiful in your dress. You're going to look down the aisle and you're going to see your handsome husband in his tuxedo. And he's going to look down the aisle and see you in your beautiful wedding dress. And all of your friends and all of your family are going to be there. And everyone's going to be smiling and they're going to be talking about how beautiful you look. And then you're going to seal the marriage with a kiss. You're going to take 12,000 pictures, and I mean 12,000 pictures, afterwards. Then you're going to go to the reception. You're going to dance. You're going to laugh. You're going to have a good time. You're going to go on your honeymoon for some of you all. And then you're going to get home, and the real work is going to set in. But honey, wait a minute now. You ain't saying nothing about the romance. I I like the, the best part of the marriage was the romance. The best part about the marriage was the romance. This is what I'm talking about. (laughs) The best part about the marriage was the romance. Clearly, we have some issues, right? See, he's forgotten. The, The romance is in the honeymoon. You still have romance after. I am talking about all of these beautiful things that you have set up to do before your wedding. And then the wedding is over. So that jumped right into the little statistic that I wanted to talk about. As we get older in our marriage, 
then you start seeing some some quite interesting numbers that come into play about age. So the percentage of divorce was highest among men 40 to 59 years old, which is 35%, and among women 40 to 49 years old, 37%. So what is that what what is that telling us? As we get older, as we get older, we forget about loving. We forget about you actually have to work at making it work. At as we get older, we have to realize that we have to keep the spark going. Yes. It's two people that's responsible for keeping the fire alive in the dark as the light keepers so that our relationship can see its way through from beginning to end. Keep the fire alive. So both of us got to be stoking this fire all the time, baby. Oh. That's Rom- a... Oh. Romance time. Uh, oh. Let us pause for a brief interlude. <laughs> Wake up. Wake up. I think it's I think what happens to a lot of relationships is that we forget to look for that sparkle in our significant other's eyes. The reason why we got got married in the first place, the reason why we fell in love. We have to be careful that the reason why we're getting married is not physical, it's emotional and spiritual. The physical part of it is the gift when everything else is working right. Mm, that's good. That is that's that's really good. You know, people will forget why they got married, and you and a lot of times, like in in business and like in life coaching, right? You hear people say they'll ask, like, er, so I'm I'm a sales manager. So a lot of times when I'm talking to sales people and, you know, we're trying to get them motivated and encouraged, we'll say, um, I'll say, what's your why? Why are you here? Why are you doing? Listen, in sales, you work some long, crazy hours, right? Oh, Lord. Very long, crazy hours. But you got to have a reason why you're there. So I'll ask them, what's your why? Why are you doing what you do? And in marriage, you have to ask that same question. What is your why? Why did you get married? And a lot of times people don't want to have the hard conversations because marriage is hard. Why are you staying? Right? Why are you committed to this person? And not in a bad way, but you have to sometimes ask yourself that question because we can oftentimes get caught up in ourselves in our own feelings and think that it's about us. So you got to go back to that why. What was the reason why I got married? Why do I love my spouse? Why do I want to stay married? And ask yourself, what's your why? That should be your question in marriage. Honey, that's incredible. Um, A good friend of mine, I call him my confidant. He's a great orator, a great businessman, a great business guru. He has a book out um, about what's your buzz. And um, I, I tend to use that term in every aspect of my life. And you also have to ask yourself about or identify what's your buzz in your relationship. Because you have to know what makes it happen, what makes it tick, what makes it go. 
Um, and, and also it's about attracting positive energy, a, po- a positive flow, people who keep you positive, people who keeps you from speaking negativity into your life. And you have to speak positivity into your relationship and everything that you do. You have to be your significant other's biggest fan, yes. number one coach. You have to keep doing that. And that's a never ending job. You cannot forgive for forsake what you guys intended this relationship to be. And that relationship is meant to be everything. A lot of people think that just because we're in a relationship now and we're married now, that's it. We're supposed to go through the process. There's certain cultures that believe that the man is the lead of the house and what he says goes. And I don't agree with that. I think that there is a very delicate compromise in every single aspect of the relationship that must be nurtured, must must be cultivated, and must be taken care of every single day. Absolutely. We have to we have to stick together. Sometimes John will say this is he'll say um pull your bootstraps up. Pull your bootstraps. He has these things like he'll say pull your bootstraps up. When marriage gets hard and I'm tired and I get frustrated and I just really want to go to bed and don't talk about anything. He'll say, Kenya, you better pull your bootstraps up and keep it going. And it's hard sometimes to do that. But here's the, the thing. I know what I, I know the commitment that I made. I know the commitment that I made to God. And I know that the commitment that I made to my husband on July 2nd, 2000, I was about to say 2014. Ooh, Lord, I've been in trouble because I, I, you wrote that down on the chalkboard and we keep that as a, as a memorial in our bedroom. I have to look at that. It's 2004. So we've been married 15 years. Great, googly boogly. In July. Mm. That's a long time. That's a long time of loving, you, loving, it, loving it right. One of the seniors at our church passed away last week and they've been married for 63 years. Woo! 63 years. That's a whole lot of doing it right or a whole lot of doing it wrong. But I think they did it right. They did it right. When you meet couples, I met a couple the other day, and even like um, our pajamas parents are going on 40 and 40 plus years of marriage. And when you think about the sacrifice of 40 plus years mm. to be with one person, you had to have gotten something right. Amen. Amen. You, there's no way that you could not get it right 40 years. Because you learn a whole bunch of stuff about your significant other that either you like it or you don't. You right. put up with it or you don't. Right. And a lot of stuff you just learn to put up with. So what you saying, man? This is, this is a podcast. You just bust out there and say that? There's something you don't like about me? Uh, John, I'm sure that there's things that you don't like about me. You wanted to go down on this podcast. I don't bring care. It, bring it. Bring it. This is a foolishness. We trying to do uplift people to do the podcast. But we just... are uplifting and we're real. We I, tell it like it is. I got you real. 
We tell it like it is. Till death do us part. We just said that there's no perfect relationship, right? And that there are some things that you may not like about your spouse. But some of those things are actually you. We gonna be together forever. Why does John always tell me that? And just, oh my gosh. And I am just have this visual in my head. I can't even tell you what the visual is. But I have a visual in my head of we gonna be together forever. You know, I'm gonna be that crazy one in the um in the shorts and the in the and the um ankle socks with no shoes and no shirt in the middle of the street just yelling, Kenya Please don't. Where you going? Please Where don't. you going? You you shouldn't be ashamed to get out um to go with me. Please don't. Don't you leave me. Mm-mm. Don't don't do that. I have a fear of that, you guys. Mm. I really do. But so this is our 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 view on marriage, our view on what it looks like afterwards after you say I do. So here is what you have to remember that after you say I do, you still got to get through. You still have to push through marriage. You still have to smile. Even sometimes when you don't feel like smiling. But it's a beautiful thing. And if you stick with it and you make it work. I cannot tell you all how many friends, co-workers, family members I've had conversations with that have said they are getting divorced. They're leaving. They're separating. Whatever it is. Uh, and ladies, most of the time it's us. Well, of course, because it's my girlfriends. I'm sure John has had some of his friends who said the same thing. But you know what? They stuck it out. For the, Most of them have stuck it out. And guess what? It's more beautiful now than it was before. Oh, honey, that's so nice. You believe that? I wasn't talking about us. Oh, for real? I was talking about the people that said they were leaving. Oh, okay. And they stuck it out. But our relationship is beautiful, isn't it? Our relationship is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, our relationship is beautiful. You yeah. gonna stick it out, right? Boy, I want to too much work. Marriage is too much work. We trying to start over. So, oh, so I'm about to say, I just asked you, you gonna stick it out? Oh yeah, I'm gonna stick it out because it's too much. It's too much work. Mm, let me put this hammer down. <laughs> Ow! Ow! You hurt me. <laughs> it is a lot of it, it's work though, but it's worth the sacrifice. It's definitely worth the sacrifice. I think um I think that marriage is a wrapped up gift with a bow on top that you have to take your time and open up. Mm-hmm. Save the wrapping, save the ribbon. Ooh, save like a baby the, shower. Save the box. Because you're going to need those things to remind you that it was a gift in the beginning. Oh, that's good, honey. You keep the paper, keep the box. Oh, I like that. You like that? I yeah. got I got a lot, lots of those, baby. Oh, here he go, y'all. You know. Here he go. To tell you how I feel about you. How important you are to me. And I'm going to be loving you from here to eternity, baby. If y'all could see my face right now. I mean, I know he means it, but like he said, it's like right now it's 4.51 a.m. And we're not morning um, news people. (laughs) 
we're not morning radio people that are like up um, getting paid to do a job. We're just up, right? So we counting molars, we counting eyelids, we sleeping. We sleeping, but we make it. We, we did it. We did it. We did it. And we're doing this so that we can be consistent. Like in marriage, consistency is key. And that's the truth. That's the that is truly the game changer in marriage. Consistency. Be consistent in the things that you do. Fifteen years, I'm still working on that. There's a lot of things that I fail at. And that's probably one of them. And I'm working on it. And I can tell you that in on Saturday, I'll be 44. Just putting that plug out there. Uh-oh, Cinco de Mayo. That already passed. What I know, but, but you know how you was the entire month. You just be out of control. John just be yelling random stuff. But my goal for 44 is more is to be consistent. To be disciplined. To be focused. Like, I'm going to be up like a crazy person. Too late, too late. You already crazy. I am crazy. Trying to get my house together because, like, when you turn another age, it really is like a new year. It's like New Year's. It's a new, your own personal new year. So I have some goals for myself for 44, and I can't go into 45 like I came into 44. 45 to still alive. Right, but I can't go into 45 like I did 44. So there are life changes that I have to make. For myself personally and for my marriage. So part of working on my marriage is being consistent in some things. And that's going to be part of my life and my mantra for 44. Well, like you said, honey, you can't go into the next the next part of your life, the next age, birthday of your life without consistency. And that's what we here the Hughes are about. We're about love, marriage, and relationship. And we want everyone out there that's listening out there in the Hughes land to know that we love you. We care for you. Give us your comments, your concerns. Talk to us. Give us a a a star or two on the reviews on We Are The Hughes. We're on all social media platforms except Twitter. We haven't gotten to Twitter yet, but that's all good. We'll get there sooner or later. Like us on Facebook. Like us on Instagram. We're there for you. We Are The Hughes. My lovely wife, who I love to death. We'll be celebrating her birthday this weekend with her mom. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a wonderful weekend, Mother's Day weekend. And shout out to my mom, who I love so much. Martha Hughes, I love you, lady. And before it gets too late. Till the It was already too late. Till the next episode, I'm John Hughes. And I'm Kenya Hughes. And together... We are the Hughes. Good night.